This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. I am joined by my co-host today, Chris Knutson. I guess we're, you could say we're reunited. We haven't uh, podcasted together in a while. How's it going, Chris? It's going awesome. And I think it's uh, literally, it's been like, what, four or five years, I think, since we did one of these. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know how it goes. It's summer and Chris just relocated across the world and he's, we both have kids. So when it's a summer and you have kids, there's really no schedule at all. That's, I think, I think all parents know that. So it's complete and utter chaos. <laughs> I think it's the best way to, best way to put it. Exactly. But we are uh, excited to be doing this together today. In today's episode, we're going to answer listener questions, which is probably one of the things that we love to do most because that's why we do the podcast for for the listeners. So we're going to jump in and we're just going to go through uh, quite a few questions. We're getting a lot of questions now, which is great. We appreciate you sending them to us. That's what the show is meant to be for. But before we do jump into those questions, just going to make two really quick announcements about a couple of exciting things we have going on at the Engineering Career Coach. And of course, going to recognize our sponsor who helps us keep the show free, which we're excited about as well. So first thing is we're going to have a new, I guess, a new service that we're going to provide through the Engineering Career Coach. Between Chris and I, we've been blogging and creating content for years, and we've had the opportunity to kind of build up a following, a subscriber list, and really friendships with tons of motivated engineers out there. And as of recently, we've been getting contacted by some of the top engineering companies in the country, fast-growing companies, you know, looking for us to help them find motivated engineers. So we are going to add a, a recruiting division to the engineering career coach. We're not going to stop doing any of the other stuff. We're still going to build our community and do our events and do everything else we're doing. But honestly, Chris and I see it as, a, as another benefit to, to you as a listener and uh, one of our readers, because now instead of just reading and listening to our podcast, you can also say, you know what, I want to see if these guys can help me get the job that I've, that I've dreamed about as an engineer. You can go to our website at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash jobs, and you could submit your resume and we'll put you in our database. And if we do get a call and looks like you're a match, we'll, uh, we'll be reaching out to you. What do you think, Chris? I think it's awesome, man. And I'm really actually completely excited about this because it's it's something that we have a lot of conversations with with engineers about building core skills and and uh, you know really working on what what it is that they need to be able to go out and land the right job and the fact that we can now be a part of helping to link them up with with that job I think it's like kind of the best of both worlds for everybody it's a kind of a win-win-win situation so I'm looking forward to it it's gonna be exciting yeah, me too. And it's really a credit, another credit to our listeners because you really helped us to build up the engineering career coach website to the point where companies are now approaching us with these opportunities for you. So I think like Chris said, it's a win-win-win. We're excited about it. And the second announcement is our annual event, the Engineering Career Summit, which we're also very excited about. This year is going to be in New Orleans, um, May 12th to May 14th. And we're going to be opening up some early access tickets, a small number of early access tickets, probably around 30 tickets. And it's going to be the most affordable price that the, I mean, the event itself is always affordable, but they're going to be pretty much the lowest price ticket that's going to be available for this event. It'll be open for a few weeks. We'll hopefully sell about 30 of them. That's going to be the max. And we will open it up to engineering career community members for the first day. And then it will be open to the public, the early access ticket. So just keep your eye out for that. we got a great event that we're planning down in New Orleans. We've got some awesome, awesome uh, speakers that are going to be there. And we also have a kind of a crazy idea that we're tossing around about having an extended 
option for those engineers that want to stay with Chris and I for a few more days and do some really deep personal and professional strategy planning. So that's something that you'll hear more about on the podcast as we get through. Yeah, I mean, Anthony, that's that's some exciting stuff. I'm actually pretty fired up about going to New Orleans. Yeah, that's like next May. <laughs> it's like months away and I'm already excited about it. Yeah, I'm pumped up too. So, so we're excited about that. And then last thing before we get into the questions, we're just going to take a minute to recognize our sponsor for the episode PPI. And we do truly thank them because again, they help us keep the show free and out there for engineers all over the world. If you're thinking about taking the FE, PE, or SE exam this year, I recommend that you check out PPI. They're the leader in engineering exam preparation. For a special 15% discount, use the promo code COACH at ppi2pass.com forward slash coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com forward slash coach, and use the promo code COACH at checkout for a 15% discount on your order. All right. So with that, let me give you a quote here. It's a little bit long, but I think you'll like it. And then we'll dive right in and start to tackle these listener questions. Ideally, since 80% of your life is spent working, you should start your business around something that is a passion of yours. If you're into kite surfing and you want to become an entrepreneur, do it with kite surfing. Look, if you can indulge in your passion, life will be far more interesting than if you're just working. You'll work harder at it and you'll know more about it. But first, you must go out and educate yourself on whatever it is that you've decided to do. Know more about kite surfing than anyone else. That's where the work comes in. But if you're doing things you're passionate about, that will come naturally. And that's from Richard Branson. And I think, you know, this is something that Chris and I always talk about. You got to be comfortable in what you're doing. You got to love it or else, you know, you're not going to be wanting to go through your days every day. And some of the patterns and some of these questions revolve around that. That's why we picked the quote. But Chris, what do you think about that quote? I think it's awesome. And uh, to quote something else that Richard Branson always loves to say, screw it, let's just do it. That's it. With that, let's get into the main segment. All right, so we're going to jump in here, answer listener questions, and you can find all of our questions and answers in the show notes for today's show, which will be at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash seven six. That's the episode number, engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash seven six. First question is from Robert in Illinois. I am an engineer that has worked for myself for the past 10 years. I have been able to make it through the recession, but how do I know when I can or should hire another engineer? I do everything myself, CAD, accounting, marketing, field work, design, etc. What is the best way to perform business development and the best ways to balance marketing and business development and perform design services? There's a couple different questions there. Chris, you want to take a shot at this? Well, yeah. I mean, I think the first thing, I mean, Robert, you know, hats off to you for being able to, uh, to, to work it through the recession when a lot of other a lot of other firms and probably a lot of solopreneurs that were out there were not able to do that. So that's, you know, hats off to you for that. But the big thing here is for, for you to maybe kind of step back and, and take a look at what you've got really going on. So you're, you're, you're looking at this issue of going, okay, well, when do I hire somebody new and how do I, how do I bring new business in? Because that's really what business development is. You're, you're talking about developing new business and bring it in. You're at this crux where you've got to put more time into the business development side of what you're doing versus actually doing what it is. It's kind of like the, the conundrum of working on your business versus working in your business. And so one of the things that first kind of hit me when I saw this question, which I think is just a, like a million-dollar question, is maybe take a look at what it is that you're doing, kind of like, you're, like a work audit over the week. Where you're spending your time and what's repetitive in nature that you could actually put it into a standard operating procedure 
which Anthony, you know, you and I do a lot of SOPs. It's kind of one of the things that we're very diligent about, about trying to develop these standard operating procedures so that literally we can hand these off to somebody else so that they can do them. And it's going to be different for every situation. But I think in engineering, and especially kind of an engineering design type of a activity, there's going to be certain things that you're going to be doing that are going to be consistent each time that you do it. Document that. And that's where you can start to look to try to get somebody else to do that for you so that that can open up and free time in your schedule so that you can go do business development, which is the part of actually bringing new work in. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that 100%. In fact, I've heard a really good colleague of mine, he has an, uh, an online business and he told me super successful, but he really has to work. And what he told me was, is if you ever have to do things more than once, in other words, if you have to do a task more than one time, you should, you should be able to sub it out exactly what Chris is saying. If you're doing something repetitively and it's not something that requires, you know, an engineering skill set of some sort. I mean, obviously, if you're doing engineering design on a project, that's going to be different on every project. That's not a repetitive cookie cutter thing. But there are things that you probably do do and you don't even recognize it. And some of them only may take you a few minutes a week. But if you add that up over the course of the year, that's going to be a lot of time that's valuable to you. So I would definitely take that approach and sub stuff out. A couple other points that I'll make. If you want to do BD stuff, business development, designate a certain amount of time each day, like whether it's one hour in the morning, uh, one hour after lunch for calls or whatever the case may be. Because I find that if I say I'm going to start doing something, I don't really do it. But if I say, like, again, I'll use my example of trying to learn Spanish. I have a time designated every day where I'll do something. I might listen to a Spanish podcast, read a Spanish book I'm reading. But if I know I got that time locked in, it makes me, you know, forces me to make that time. And then like anything else, if you do something a little bit every day, it starts to add up. So that's something I would recommend. I would also think about hiring out your BD tasks. There's some people out there that actually do business development on a consulting basis. You know, and listen, they're good at it. You know, in a lot of cases as an engineer, we're not. So if you find someone who can help you uh, maybe get a commission or something, that might be good. Uh, The last thing that I would say is you know, try to cut your costs and invest in your assets and staff to build your company. Because I think a lot of times you get into a business and you start spending all this money because you want to have the best equipment and all this stuff, but try to just minimize your costs and invest in staff and then build up the asset that you have. And Upwork, previously Odesk is a wonderful website. You know, Chris and I built, a, built our team using Upwork. We found some great people and it's really not that expensive. So I think if you if you take some of those points, Robert, I think you can start to grow that business. You know, Anthony, I think that last point is really important because it, that was something that I was a little bit hesitant about for the longest time, which was, you know, getting into the Upwork, the whole virtual assistant, you know, mindset. And, you know, I know that you've got a lot of experience with that. We've talked about it. I've finally moved into that realm myself. It's not as daunting as, as one might think. And, and I got to be honest with you, man, it, it has freed up my time significantly to focus more importantly, you know, more on the one thing, the important things I need to be looking at versus a lot of those things that were very repetitive that I could put into a standard operating procedure and just hand it off to somebody else. So I think, you know, that's probably the gold nugget in everything we just talked about. Absolutely. All right. Next question is from Terrence, who is from Lake Charles, Louisiana. He's an engineering student. First, thank you for all of the engineering information and podcasts that you've sent to me. They've been very helpful, informative, and enlightening. You're welcome, Terrence. We, We enjoy doing it. My question is about technical skills. I was attending a podcast on engineering leadership strategies, and the topic came up about having technical skills. My question is, what kind of skills would serve as technical skills for engineers and engineering leaders? 
Thank you for giving me the opportunity to ask the question. All right. Just a couple things that I'll throw out there on this one is, you know, when you think technical skills, you're really thinking about the technical components of the specific engineering discipline that you're in. And, you know, in some respects, you'll learn some of those skills in school, Terrence, but then in some respects, you might have to take a master's degree and get um, advanced courses in that specific discipline, for example, to further those technical skills. Some other things you can do is join your technical association whatever discipline you're in, that'll, that'll help you to, to talk to people and learn about what skills are important in your field. I would touch base with your alumni association, engineering alumni association, and, and maybe think about trying to get a mentor. And when I say a mentor, I'm just talking about to find out from people, you know, what technical skills you need to focus on. Because in every discipline, they're going to be different in your area. If I'm a civil engineer in Texas, I need to know a lot of different things in a civil engineer in, in New York who I may need to know a lot of different things. So, you know, talk to people and, and understand what kind of technical skills you're going to need to build to be an expert in your field. Chris, you got anything on that? Hey, Terrence, you know, thanks a lot. I think first for, you know, just saying, hey, thanks, you know, telling us thanks for doing what we're doing. I mean, we, this is part of why Anthony and I do this. We, you know, we love being able to share the insight that we've got, some of the experiences that we have with all of you so that you can go out there and do what you got to do in the world. So that's awesome. I think I want to just kind of maybe unwrap this a little bit and say, you know, there's technical skills and then there's leadership skills. And the reason I kind of break the two apart is it's always been in my mind that as an engineer, at some point in your career, you're going to be faced with like this path. It's like the fork and you have to either take the technical path or the, or this leadership path. And we get the technical skills. That's the material that we're going to learn in university or on the job, or as, you know, as Anthony mentioned, seminars or having discussions with mentors and trying to find out what's really you know, what's really going on on the technical side. And then there's this leadership management stuff, which we don't necessarily learn in school. We really have to pick that up on the job and through self-study and, and really through trial and error. You know, I think if, if you're trying to, you know, trying to figure out what kind of skills you're going to need to, to work on, you know, first out of school, just do what you got to do. I mean, you got to be making some money. You got to be paying off. Maybe you've got student loans and stuff like that. So if it's a technical aspect, then, then just dump into that and start doing what you got to do and be the best that you can on the technical side. That's going to actually benefit you later on in life when you get to that point where you decide that you want to actually move into leadership management if you do. And if you do, well, then you're going to have to, you know, those are predominantly, as far as I'm concerned, leadership management is kind of an evergreen type of education. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the basic leadership management skills that are out there, this stuff's been around forever. You know, may have a new spin on it, but for the most part, it's all about influencing other people, being able to get along with other people. And, and you're really going to learn that through trial and error. You're going to learn it through observation of, of manage, engineering managers you work for. And, and you're going to learn it through, you know, maybe resources like Anthony and I put out there or the other resources that you can get out on the internet and reading that you're doing. And there's just a ton of material that's out there for leadership management. So I think, you know, there's just kind of this, maybe I won't say split between technical skills and the leadership management side, but you really need to maybe focus on that technical side first, because that's what you're going to engineering school for. And then make that decision if that's something you want to do is kind of open up your horizon and maybe get into that leadership management piece. All right. Next one is from Raphael, who is from Charleston. He's a civil engineering student. My question is, how do you learn from a project slash grade failure or shortcoming without sending your work and mindset into a stalemate? This is a, a great question. I think all engineers are going to fail probably every day, multiple times. And it's important that you try to stay focused and continue to move forward. So great question, Raphael. And I'll give you a couple thoughts on this. And I know Chris has some too. 
the one thing that I'll tell you is something that's been helpful for me that I picked up in coaching school is that whenever I get into a situation that I consider bad or a failure or not going so well, is I always ask myself two questions. The first question is, where's the opportunity in this situation? Which pretty much forces you to look for some kind of positive outcome or something that you can take out of the worst of situations to make it seem better. And again, to get you into that positive mindset. So that's the first question. And if you look for an opportunity at all costs and you don't seem to find one in a situation, the next question can be, where can I learn and grow from this situation? And then you could pick out some of the lessons that you can take and ensure that that doesn't happen again. And that next time you can be better at that or whatever, whatever that area was. So I would say, ask those two questions and basically try to use failure, so to speak, as a way to propel yourself, avoiding it happen again. You know, using it as a, as a way to lift yourself up rather than letting it something that pushes you down. Chris, I know you got some stuff on this one. Yeah, man, I've got a lot of stuff. In fact, I've got I've got confessions to make on the podcast, and and it's this is a rough one, man. You may not have even know this until you look at the notes. So you know, I hit rewind to go all the way back to college, and I'm not even going to tell you like what decade that was, but it was a while ago. And and anyway, I uh, you know I started off in electrical engineering, and quickly figured out that that was not the place for Chris Knudsen. That was not the place for me to be. It was going to be just a rough life for me to try to be able to make it make it through. So I switched over to civil engineering, and in my first semester in, I zero pointed structures one. <laughs> and so this is for somebody who is a you know I, I'm a very type A personality. Everything is a success. I never fail at anything. And this was the first point in my entire life at this point that I have literally, I mean, it's not even, I didn't like just kind of trip. I mean, I literally fell flat on my face. It was pretty daunting because, you know, not only did I have at risk just my own personal ego, I was on scholarship with the Air Force. So that was at risk. And then, you know, there's just a lot of, a lot of things riding on this ton of pressure. It just so happened that I happened to have just this awesome relationship with my professor, Dr. Lubkin. And he worked with me, and, and long story short, I was able to come back in the next semester with that same course and be able to walk out up with a 3.5. So I think what I really drew away from this was, and I think it's this is really applicable in not only just in, in college, but just really in anything that you're doing in life, is that you have to have this larger goal in mind. And so for me, my larger goal was I was the first person on both sides of my family to ever even go to college. So graduation was a, was a major goal for me. But I also had these aspirations. My bigger goal was that I wanted to be an engineer, period. I mean, it's whatever, whatever I had to do, it didn't matter if it, was, if it had electrical in front of it or civil or whatever it was going to be, I wanted to be an engineer. And then I also wanted to be in the Air Force. So I had like these three major goals that were propelling me forward. And so even though I fell flat on my face in this, in this particular course, I knew that I had this cloud that was floating far above me that was pulling me towards it. Like I had like these massive rubber bands tied to it and it was yanking me towards it. And it kept me upright, even though I had completely fallen on my face. And I think that's really kind of an important thing is that you really have to have this major goal that's out there that's, that's really pulling you so that when you do take a hit, it's a hit and not a, not a KO. You're got, not getting knocked out. You may have a black eye, your ego might be bruised a little bit, but you're going to get back up and you're going, to, you're going to take another swing at it. I think something else to kind of point out on this was the experience that I had was, I think I, I mentioned, you know, I, I was an electrical engineer, but I figured out that it was literally going to destroy me if I stayed in that program because I just didn't get it. I, mean, I couldn't wrap my head around it. 
So I pivoted and I knew I wanted to be an engineer, but electrical wasn't obviously the one that it was going to be. It had to be civil. I mean, it just so happened that, you know, to me, civil was a lot more visual, hands-on. I was a pavements guy, did a lot of transportation stuff. So I could, you know, I could literally not only wrap my mind around it, but I could go out and touch it. And so this major goal of me wanting to be an engineer, you know, I started off as electrical, but then I pivoted to civil. And so even though I failed, I still had this massive, you know, this big goal, this massive goal of wanting to be that engineer. So, you know, kind of set yourself this massive goal, make sure you know what it is, that you're very clear on what it is, and then be willing to pivot if you have to in order to be able to move towards it. So that's kind of my thought about this issue of failure, because it's going to happen. I mean, it's just not a matter of, of if, it's a matter of when. Definitely. And I think just one last point for this question, which I think is general to any engineer in any part of your career or life, is that you know, a lot of times you need to think about the long term and think about your goals, like Chris said, when you're making everyday decisions. Because, for example, one day you might have a great job that's moving you towards your goals and you might get an offer from another company that isn't necessarily a good fit, but they're, you know, throwing a lot of money at you. So you have to, you know, stay true to your long term goals and make the right decision. Another example is, you know, I'm sure how many times when you were in engineering school, someone said to you, you know, how come you're doing engineering? You can do business and you can be going out every night and having fun and doing all this stuff, but you need to, again, stay focused on your long-term goal. You know, you want to do, be an engineer, you want to do certain things in your career. Thanks again, Raphael. This is a good question on a lot of, uh, a lot of different fronts, but I think that, you know, keep your long-term goals in mind and, you know, every day when you're making decisions, they're all adding up to get you there. And that's something that you have to kind of remember. The next one's from Marlene in New York. Hi, this is Marlene. I'm a chemical engineering student, and I was wondering if you think taking the FE exam would be worthwhile. I was originally a civil engineering major, and my civil professors always spoke about the FE exam and how we had to take it in the senior year. Then when I switched it into chemical engineering, I never heard of it again, hence my confusion. There's a simple answer to this question, in my opinion, and it's yes, yes, and yes. You never know what the future is going to hold, so you might be doing chemical engineering now, in a couple of years, maybe you want to switch, maybe you want to do something different, maybe you want to do consulting. And I just think that the PE license is a huge asset for you in your career as an engineer, period. So I would say absolutely 100% get your license as long as you have the experience and the credentials that the state requires for you to get it. Chris, anything to add there? Yeah, I'm going to echo the same thing you just said on this. I mean, this is something that I suggest to engineers every time I get the chance. I mean, if you I mean just like you said, you don't know what the future holds, so you might as well you might as well open up as many opportunities as you possibly can for yourself if you have that opportunity to do so. And I think the PE is one of those. I mean, it's just this mark of of uh, professional subject matter expertise, professional excellence, and you just never know where the opportunity is going to come for you to to be able to capitalize on that later on in life. I, I realize, especially for chemical and electrical engineers, that depending on, on which industry you're in, you know, that, that, that PE is, it may or may not be important. But, but again, if you want to be able to have multiple opportunities available to you, multiple avenues that you can walk down, I think having those two letters at the end of your name is worth the effort, it's worth the uh, the sacrifice of the time and, and the energy that you've got to put into it because it just opens up doors for you. So I think it's a, absolutely, it's yes, yes, and, and heck yes. Yeah, exactly. All right, we got two questions left and these are from uh, some of our international listeners. Just happy that the podcast is global. We get emails from engineers all over the world, which is awesome. 
This next one's from Ricardo from Honduras. What has changed in your engineering career over the last 30 years? So I guess, you know, what's changed in the industry? From my perspective, I think one of the things that's, that's important more than ever, which we preach about, is your soft skill development, your core skill development, your ability to communicate, your ability to be business-minded, think about budgets and other things of that nature. And, and the reason is, is because you know, the economy is tough today. I mean, it, there's been recessions. It's still not great. And what happens is, you know, years ago, I remember when there was a boom, and the engineering company that I worked for, they had someone for everything. They had someone to do marketing, business development, you know, someone that would go out and do site inspections, someone that would do literally just do the drafting, someone do the designing. What, what we're seeing in today's world is that engineers are doing everything together. They're not, they don't, especially with smaller companies where you might start out as a young engineer. They don't have the funds to hire all these people anymore. So as an engineer, all of a sudden, you've got so many more responsibilities. So I just think that, they're, that you have to be much more well-rounded than you used to be. That's golden. And, and the other piece of it is, is really, I mean, think about the, the incorporation of technology. I mean, the fact that you, know, you and I are recording this, this episode right now. I'm sitting in Germany. You're in, you're in the U.S. Right. You know, Ricardo sent us said us this question from Honduras. I mean, th- this fact that, that we're, we have this global mobility, this ability to be able to go across borders, to go across time zones and have this interaction is huge. And that's something that in the engineering career field really didn't exist 30 years ago. Maybe a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast were certainly not in the professional, you know, professional activities 30 years ago, but I almost was, you know, and it's, <laughs> and it's changed a lot. You know, in the, in the two decades that I've been, I've been actively involved in the profession, there has been a, just a ton of change, and a lot of it has really been around this technology piece. So I think that, that that's huge. And then this competitive pressure, maybe even pressure may not be the right word, but this competitive pressure from ex, expatriate engineers. I mean, again, this, this global mobility aspect of the fact that you can do engineering work, you know, in Honduras, or you can come to the United States. I mean, there's different, there's different visa issues, I realize, but there's those opportunities, and, and those really didn't exist 30 years ago. So I think it just kind of opens up the opens up the ground for just a lot of interesting and new opportunities for engineers around the globe. Ricardo, muchas gracias por su pregunta. And uh, we're excited that Ricardo has joined our engineering career community as well. And he's going to Spain to do a degree in concrete, which is interesting to me. So we'll get to know him a little bit better. All right, on to Tim from Ontario, Canada. I'm a chemical engineering student, and I've been hearing a lot lately about how the sizes of graduating classes from chemical engineering programs have been growing, and the availability of jobs has been consistently shrinking. Whether that is all entirely factual or not, what is the best way to stay vigilant and focused on improving myself as a professional and finding opportunities in a shrinking job market? How do I resist falling victim to the worry of being jobless after graduation? Tim, that is the question. That is the million-dollar question that every engineering graduate is asking these days. I don't want to be jobless after graduation. And I think whether you're an engineering student, whether you're an engineer with 10 years experience, 20 years experience, whatever it is, the answer is going to be the same. In my opinion, is that you need to stand out. You need to be different from everybody else. You need to have skills that other engineers don't have. A lot of what we just talked about with Ricardo's question you need to be able to go into a company for an interview and they have to say, you know what? I, don't, I can't pass on this person. Look at their resume. They were volunteering in school. They went to Toastmasters. They had some great internships. And again, those are all the things that you should be doing in school. You should be going to your local Toastmasters club and working on your speaking skills. 
You should be doing whatever you can do to get an engineering internship, even if you have to volunteer. Another thing that's a really good resource that a lot of people don't think about tapping into is not just the alumni association, but a lot of these schools have engineering alumni associations. So you can actually get in touch with a lot of engineering alumni. And listen, you always want to help out an alumni from your school. So that might be another way to get an inside track on an internship or um, a job after school. Those are some of my thoughts on it. Chris, how about you? Yeah, I mean, those are, those are great ones, Anthony. I think another one is, is you, you kind of got to do, and this is something that I, I, it just literally never went through my mind when I was in, when I was in university. Of course, I was in a different situation, but I mean, if you're looking to go into the job market, I think even in, in university, you need to be doing some market analysis. So the, what I mean by that is, is a couple things. First, you know, f- for you as a chemical engineer, what type of chemical engineers are they looking for? Is the industry looking for chemical engineers in the oil and gas industry? Is it in manufacturing? You know, what, what type of chemical engineers are they looking for? R&D? So having a, kind of an understanding of where the market and what the market's looking for. The second one is, is where are those jobs going to be? Let's say that, you know, you specialize in some highly commoditized, and I'm not even sure that's a, I'm not even sure that's a word, but maybe it is, but some highly commoditized engineering niche. It only has jobs in Southern California, but you want to live in, in Toronto. Well, you know, you might be practicing engineering, but, but the problem is going to be is if it's very highly, kind of a highly niche engineering realm that you want to be involved in, it's only in one area in the world, but you don't want to go there, then you're probably going to be unemployed and you're going to be waiting tables or doing something else. So you, you really need to be able to have some market understanding of what type of engineers are they looking for? If you truly want to be a chemical engineer, you truly are going to be an electrical engineer. In my case, you know, I, I pretty much needed to be a civil engineer. It's really knowing that, okay, if I, this is the type of engineer that I'm going to be, where are those jobs at? And what are the niches associated with them? And what does the industry hold? Because it may be hot now. Oil and gas might be really hard, hot now, but maybe it's not going to be in five years. Maybe it's going to be something else. So I think really kind of one of the best ways to kind of set yourself up for that is obviously uh, get out there, read read trade journals you can put your hands on that are related in your industry. And then these these technical and professional organizations, if you can get yourself involved in as a student and start asking those questions of the individuals that you interact with who are actually in industry. I mean, ask those questions so that you have this ability to start building a picture of what does the industry look like? What does the market look like? So that, that allows you to make decisions on what type of mobility you've got to have and whether or not you're going to be able to kind of line the things up that you want to line up. All right. So those are the questions we, we tackled for today. What we're going to do now is we're going to jump into our Take Action Today segment of the show and kind of wrap all this up with a couple of action items that you can take and start to you know improve yourself and continue continuous improvement because I know that's what all of our listeners strive for. All right. So now it's time for the Take Action Today segment of the show. Today, like I said, we're going to break down all the questions that we kind of answered here, take some of the, you know, the real, what we feel real valuable pieces of the information and lay them out for you as actionable items. And hopefully you can take them and literally start to use them today. I mean, that's what we're all about, action. You can't, we don't want you to just listen to a podcast. We want you to you know, make it work for you. So before we do that, let me just give you a brief word from our sponsor. Our listeners often ask us what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FEPE or SE exam. Hands down, we recommend PPI. If you plan to take your exam soon, we have a special promo code for listeners of our podcast. 
Use the promo code COACH for 15% off of your order at ppi2pass.com forward slash coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com forward slash coach, and use the promo code COACH at checkout for a 15% discount on your order. PPI's mission is simple. They want to help engineers pass the FEPE and SE exam and advance their careers. Quality is paramount at PPI. In fact, it is the driving force behind everything they do. With best-selling exam review materials developed by PPI founder Michael Lindeberg and other experts in the industry, they have been the source and solution for passing the FEPE and SE exams for more than 40 years. The CLPPI can help you pass your exam, and for special offers and discounts exclusive to our podcast listeners, visit ppi2pass.com forward slash coach. That's PPI, the number two, pass.com forward slash coach. And again, this is not, we don't just promote PPI for the heck of it here. Chris and I both use the books to pass the PE exam. And when they approached us about being a sponsor, I actually went through one of their courses online to make sure that it was something that, you know, we were going to be comfortable with recommending and promoting it. And it's, it's really an awesome course. All right. So let's kind of sum up what we talked about here in all of our listener Q&A. And let me just throw a few points out here. And I know Chris has a couple points as we end up here. I think the one thing that I want you to think about after today's episode, and we talked a lot about just career building and jobs, and I think you have to think about yourself as, you know, almost as a business, right? As how you can build this asset that you have. You know, how can you make it better? How can you make it something that people want? So if you think about, you know, should I get this degree? Should I get an MBA? Should I get my PE license? Every time you add a credential, as long as it makes sense for your goals, you're building up that asset. So that if you do, for some reason, need to get a new job or you decide you want a new job, you have this asset where people are going to be like, wow, look at what you've built. You've got this experience. You've got these credentials. You've worked on these types of projects in your portfolio. And I think you always have to think about continuing to build up that asset that is essentially you. And you, know, you make it to something that, that people want. So I would just urge you to do some of the things we talked about, improve some of those skills, get some of those credentials that you can continue to build upon in your career. Chris? Yeah, I think we really talked a lot about in, in this episode as well about getting really involved in your professional and technical organizations. So you know, that opportunity is out there whether you're at the student level. And actually, as a student, it's, it's, it's really good because the, the prices are, are pretty low, usually for students. The cost of entry into some of these technical organizations and professional organizations is really low. So go check those out. But then if you do, get active. Be, I mean, be active. Don't just show up to be there for the sessions, but be very active. Literally go after being, you know, in charge of programs, setting the programs up or being the president or whatever you need to do, but be, be the person who's leading it because that's going to play into this part about differentiation. And that's really what a lot of this, a lot of, you know, Anthony, you and I talk about this a lot about differentiation or standing out. I mean, that's really what it's about. It's about being different, but different in the right way. Okay. And so it's great to differentiate yourself and I'm not talking about, you know, I just I listened to a Tim Ferriss podcast here recently. We're not talking about being different like wearing your underwear on the outside of your jeans. Okay, <laughs> so that's not, that's not the kind of different that we're talking about. We're talking about being different on things like you're the person who's always trustworthy. Okay, you're the person who's always diligent in their work. You're easy to get along with your boss and your peers. These are the types of differentiation that are going to set you apart in your engineering career from from your peers, the ones who aren't, who aren't showing up every day ready to knock it out of the park, regardless if it's something that they're 100% involved in it or not. 
So as is something that I've learned through my career is that not all, not every time are you going to have this opportunity to be working like on the most awesome job in the world. Sometimes it's going to suck, but you've got to show up with the same type of, you know, same type of mentality that you're going to knock it out of the park because that's what opens up the doors for you to be able to step into these opportunities that really do totally synchronize with what you're looking for. And that's where you're going to want to be at. The other piece I think maybe I want to touch on is and we really talked about a little bit about this in today's answers to questions, and that is take responsibility for your own professional development. You know, don't abdicate this responsibility to your employer or some other outside ent- entity. You know, Ricardo asked the question about what's changed in the last 30 years. Well, something I didn't touch on earlier, but is pretty evident to me today is that I can I have access to information and education literally at my fingertips. I mean, it, there's so much of it that I literally, if I signed up for every webinar or podcast that is out there to develop me better as a, as a leader, as an engineer, technically and professionally, I literally would have no time to do anything else. <laughs> That's all I would be doing would be developing myself. So take responsibility for your professional development because you can easily do so. The material is out there. You can access it. The cost to entry, the barriers to entry is really, really low. Take responsibility, set yourself a plan, go out there and just crush it in your engineering career. Yeah, absolutely. And just one last note here is that if you did hear something in this episode that you want to work on a certain skill, just go to engineeringcareercoach.com, click on the red button that says categories. We got all the shows categorized by skill sets. So if you want to work on your networking, you can listen to an episode on networking. And these are all free resources. So please take advantage of those. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. Chris and I definitely enjoyed, you know, answering your questions. That's why we do the show. We'd love to hear any feedback, comments, or additional questions you have. You can go to engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash seven, six, the number seven, six, and that'll give you kind of a brief summary of today's show. You can comment on it. We monitor the comments. We will respond to you if you leave us one. And also, if you want to ask your own question for a future episode, go to engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash ask, A-S-K, and you can either record a question and we will play it live on the air if you do that, or you can put your question in through the uh, form there and send it into us. All right, until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.